Hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll chat with a friend whom I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8:28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll share writing and publishing questions from our listeners. However, once in a while, I'll offer bonus content, a special interview that's out of the norm for the format of our show, and today is one of those days. So let's get started. All right, everybody. Uh, Many of you know that the All Things Podcast is a weekly podcast, but I felt like during this pandemic, we needed to step it up on our calendar and add some bonus content to help you navigate this place that we find ourselves, which is new to many of us. And I actually already did a recording for next month for Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith to be on the show. But I just felt like uh, we can't wait till April for this. And so uh, I would like to give a proper introduction. uh, So you know who is bringing wisdom to the table today. Uh, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith is a board-certified internal medicine physician She majored in biochemistry at the University of Georgia and graduated with honors from Meharry Medical College. She has been an adjunct faculty member at Baker College and Davenport University in Michigan and is a national and international media resource on the mind-body-spirit connection. She has appeared in Focus on the Family, Red Book, First for Women Magazine, Called Magazine, Women's Day, CBS.com, MSN.com, Crosswalk.com, and on numerous radio shows. She is a good housekeeping top 100 medical expert and is an expert you can follow on Dr. Oz's sharecare.com. She resides in Alabama with her ultra marathon running husband, Bobby, and their two sons. Welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Sandra. Hi, Athena. Great to have you. So as a medical doctor and expert on rest and a strong believer, how can we find rest during this turbulent time? I mean, what are three things that we can actually do to be proactive rather than reactive? Oh, that's a great question. I think the first thing, you know, let me just start by saying this, you know, there's um, a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of panic that's going around right now regarding the virus. And, you know, I, I understand the sentiment behind telling people do not fear, but there has to be a healthy level of concern, not necessarily fear, but concern that we have to have just to do some of the precautionary things to keep everybody healthy. 
And so I, I want to start off by help by just addressing that because I think a lot of people feel like, well, you know, what if I'm a little anxious about this whole situation? I think that's the, the really the benefit of learning how to apply rest when you do feel anxious, when you are in a situation where fear may be your, your first response. What are some things you can do to kind of get back to a place of calm? And so the very first thing that I'm recommending that most people do is start really getting an understanding of where your mind tends to focus or what your mind tends to focus on uh, during times like this. It's very easy to get caught up with all the media and staying on top of all the breaking news that's coming out and kind of pushing aside those things that actually help calm your fears and that actually help to increase your amount of peace and your ability to feel more relaxed. And so one of those includes just meditating on scripture. Start kind of finding specific scriptures that help you really get an understanding that nothing is outside of God's hands, that God is able to move even in circumstances like this, and that, you know, we're not trying to just paint a rosy picture on top of a situation, but really to stay focused on who God is in the midst of the storm. Because I think that helps us kind of, instead of looking just at all of the all of the news and the escalation of the news that keeps going and driving much of that fear we can't focus solely on it and not allowing our attention to always return back to our rock to the foundation of our faith and what we believe so what i hear you saying is we need to spend some time every day or maybe at different intervals during the day just focusing on the word maybe even declaring it out loud like psalm 91 right yes that yes and something my family and i are doing just to kind of make sure that we keep god at the center of what we believe in the situation is at dinner time after dinner we started doing daily communion and so you know it was it was interesting the first time that we've done communion as a family many times usually it's at church and a couple of times it's been at home but it was interesting because my husband and I typically lead it. And so, you know, we're on day four or five now. And we looked at our sons and we said, you know, it's your turn. It's your turn to lead in, us in communion. And so I loved watching how they took ownership of that. It's a part of, it's a part of their faith that they have been participating in, but maybe not really getting a full understanding of what it means and what was happening at the time. Uh, you know, and how it can apply to our current situation. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in that. So as you're going deeper in the word, as we have all this, you know, additional time at home with our families, that we can allow the word not just to be our own foundation, but for our kids. Our kids are, are to tell them not to be afraid and to not be anxious is not beneficial. We have to show them how to keep our mind on things that are going to help calm, keep us calm and in a state of not panicking. So the, so the idea of just quoting scriptures to people to, you know, help them get over their fear doesn't really, there needs to be more substance to it. How do you embrace the fact that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind? How do you, how do you walk that instead of just throwing it out there to someone? 
Yes, I think that's the really the practical application of the word. So we're not just kind of reading the scriptures, but we are meditating on them. We are praying them back so that we are kind of seeing our life in the scripture. It's not just a text that kind of like a um, history book, a text that we're reading, but it becomes a living organism that we can actually gain strength from. And so I think meditating on the word's a huge part of that. Uh, part of the rest, you know, you mentioned uh, my book, Sacred Rest. A part of one of the things I talk about when I mention mental rest, which is one of the seven types, mental rest requires you to keep your mind from jumping from thought to thought to thought, because that's what mental unrest looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's where many people are. They're in mental unrest. They have, uh, you know, what we call monkey brains. Sometimes their, their thoughts are jumping from do I have enough food? Do I have enough tissue paper? Do I have, do, do I have enough of my medication? What happens if someone in my house gets sick? How far away is that person that's standing near me in the grocery store? Their head's jumping on all of these different thoughts. And mm. it's very hard not to feel anxious or frightened or confused when your, your thoughts have no place to land. And so part of mental rest is, is reteaching the brain in times of, of crisis how to settle somewhere. And that's what the word helps us do. So when I say read scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't recommend like reading like entire books of the Bible, sit down and read an entire book of the Bible. Pick one or two scriptures that are meaningful to you that speak to your current, your current mental distress, whether that's fear or anxiety or, or whatever it may, depression, whatever it may be, a specific scripture and you're going to meditate on that scripture and then to bring it even to help the mind to even more focus what i tend to tell people to do is to focus on a characteristic of god so that could be that he's omnipotent that could be that he's love that could be that he is all powerful that could seeing god as healer but you're not going to let your thoughts just consistently jump around 24 hours a day then try to go to sleep at night and you're not going to sleep well the number one thing I'm hearing from people is that they're having disruptive dreams and that's because their, their mind has not found a place to settle. And we have to get back to meditating on the word, not just reading the word, not just reciting the word, but actually letting it bring our thought patterns back to a place where they can settle and find peace. Now, do you recommend when we do read, we pick those two, couple scriptures that are going to help us with whatever we're struggling with, do you feel like saying it out loud is more um, helpful and more powerful when we do that as opposed to just in our head? Yes, I do think it is powerful to be able to say it out loud. What if whatever that scripture is, just being able to recite it or not recite, not memorizing it necessarily, but being able to, to hear your own voice say it, I think mm -hmm. that is helpful. I think for many people that is very helpful also to sometimes even write it down, yep. um, put it somewhere. You know, if, if you're really struggling with anxiety, you know, a scripture that talks about God being, being your peace may be very helpful to put in multiple places in your house, maybe two or three scriptures that you put in places where, you know, it, it may be something that you need to put by your chair where you're watching the news so that if you feel your heart rate go up and you feel kind of that anxiety coming upon you, rather than staying in the moment and just kind of forcing your emotions through whatever 
TV show or, or news broadcast that you're watching to shut it down for a moment and allow your thoughts to kind of get recalibrated so that you can get yourself back to a place of peace. I think what's happening with many people is we are feeding the fear engine within mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. We are consuming so much information that it is keeping us in a place where we are constantly driving up those anxieties and we're not feeding our peace engine so that we can kind of get back to a place of feeling calm again. Hmm. That's good. So, so what else do we need to hear about this whole pandemic that we're not hearing from the media besides what you've already shared with us obviously the word of god the media is not not going there at all right right well i think the some well one of the things particularly that the media is not sharing is that social distancing is not the same thing as social isolation because what people are feeling is that because they were doing this social distancing you know we have to hunker down in our homes and you know you can't get within six feet of anybody that is not the same as social isolation, particularly in this day and age where we have Skype and Zoom and What's It app and Marco Polo. And, you know, we have all of these different electronical ways to virtually meet with people. Right. And so social, social isolation will only worsen the fear and the anxiety and the depression. And so many people are looking at social isolation and, and automatically kind of translating it in their thought process to social isolation. And they are not the same thing. And that's just right where the enemy wants us. The enemy wants us to isolate. So he's capitalizing on this whole thing by, because if we isolate and don't utilize technology in this situation to stay in community, then those thoughts in our head can, can really spiral without if we're not saying to somebody you know this is how i'm feeling right now and you actually say it out loud and then you realize why was i even thinking that you know you you don't even realize how bad it was until you say it that's exactly right and i think i think this is this is really a, a challenge for the church to really stand up and and show the creative side of god in that you know we just because churches and bible study groups and Sunday school groups can't meet in their traditional way that they're used to meeting doesn't mean they can't meet. And so I think it's, I think it's important for every one of those groups to meet just like you would if you were not in this situation, you're just going to have to do it virtually. And, exactly. you know, and I've had some people say, well, you know, my Sunday school group is all over 65. We don't Zoom. We don't Skype. <laughs> you got a phone. And so most people have some type of phone and ask a teenager to set up a free conference call. Everybody dials in their regular phone. It requires nothing extra, nothing special, and it's free. So everybody dials in. I think you can have up to 50 people or something like that on the call. So if you have to break up into, you know, five groups of 50, do it. But I think it's important to get creative, not feel limited. You know, this social media has, you know, we've, it's gotten a bad rap really because of how it's turned. It's become right. this, this mechanism that we use for hate and for pulling mm -hmm. each other down and for comparing against other people 
Whereas now we have an opportunity to see it redeemed. We have an opportunity to see God step into social media and make it the place where, where Christ is being broadcasted every day from every corner. Mm. I love that. And you know, the idea of getting the Bible, the, the older generation, I've got one gal in our church who runs the Bible studies and she, her Tuesday morning is all, they're all over 60. And mm -hmm. they used, they used Facebook Messenger and did the video chat yes. on Facebook Messenger and it worked great. It wasn't hard for them to, you know, make it work. And it wasn't, you know, sometimes using Zoom and some other, there's a little more to it mm -hmm. that can be a little intimidating, but to just be able to get on there like that, right on their phones, that's just being the enemy the at his own game. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, we, we can't get to the point where with the social distancing that we withdraw into our little hole with our couple of people in our house and mm -hmm. think we're going to be okay. You know, that is exactly where the enemy wants us separated. Yep. And so we, we need to kind of be mindful of that because for our own emotional health and well-being, we need to stay connected in times like this. And we, and we have to be able to, when you need prayer, you need to be able to have someone you can pray with. If, if you're an elderly person and maybe you don't have family or kids that are nearby and you need someone to help you get groceries, we need to be able to be able to really interpret that type of situation. And some people aren't going to be very quick to, to ask for help. But if you're in a social setting with a few other friends that you've been going to Sunday school with for, you know, five years, you might be a little bit more willing to say, yeah, I'm struggling right now. I can't get to the store. I have emphysema. I'm afraid to walk out my door because, you know, I'm at higher risk than the general population. And then right. somebody can step up and be the church, be the hands and feet of Jesus at that time. Exactly. I love that. So, okay. Um, you know, we're facing this pandemic. and it seems like these types of situations bring out the best in people and the worst in people. And what can we do as believers to make the most of this opportunity? I think you lead by example. And so, you know, it's very difficult for our world to see, to believe if, you know, if they're seeing Christians act like everybody else. Yes. If, if everybody else is running around and snatching tissue paper out of the hands of 80 year old people, you know, or, mm -hmm. you know, running in the store before they can even get to it to try to even get what they need, then it doesn't look any different. I think one of the, the one of the sweetest stories I, I um, read was where someone had gone in and, you know, they were buying things and they just happened to have like whatever the, the, it, the item was. Uh, one or two of them left and she grabbed both of them and put them in her cart. And it wasn't necessarily hoarding. It was two of some of something, but a woman walked up and asked her and she knew she'd got the last two. Right. And so an elderly woman walked up and said, Oh, where did you get those? I, I really need some of that. And in that moment, she had a decision to make. Mm. She could tell her, I'm yeah. sorry, these were the last two <laughs> and, and, you know, push on to the, to the checkout and be done with it. Or she could share. She can have a spirit of giving, of I'm not living in lack. God supplies all of my needs. If I give this to her, it's seed. It's not something that I'm just, you know, giving away and I'm going to be in lack, me and my family. So I think it's important to, to use those kind of opportunities to, to make a difference. You know, it looks small. It's one-on-one. -on -one. 
but it makes a difference. Yeah. And to be able to do that and just say to that person, you know, God's been generous with me. So I should, you know, why this is the least I can do to be generous with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. And you know, what keeps ringing in my heart is just the whole gratitude thing. If we can display gratitude for just what the good things that God is doing in the midst of all this. And be yeah, talking I think about that's that. great. I think that's great because there's, there's so much opportunity here. There's, I've heard of so many people who have lost their jobs, people in the restaurant in, industry, you know, people in grocery stores, they're like hospital workers now. You know, they, they didn't yeah. necessarily sign up to be on the front line. Doctors, nurses, you know, when, we, when there's any kind of epidemic, we, we knew the risk going into the job. But right. if you're a grocery store worker, you didn't expect to be told you can't take off from work. You know, that's not what you signed up for. So yeah. we need to take into account kind of what different, different parts of our population is going through right now. Mm. And my husband made a comment today, um, right before I hopped on with you, and he was like, you know what, if we, you know, they, we were reading an article about um, some of the different delivery services are kind of leave, are saying that, you know, rather than do an exchange at the door, they're just going to leave it on the step. They're going to knock on your door, kind of like UPS, they're going to knock on the door and just leave it like on step. And I thought, interesting is, you know what, what a great opportunity that when they get to your step, there's an extra $20. Mm, yep. I was like, you know what? That's that's what the church should be doing. Yep. Bless people just because. You know, yes, yep. we might be in some type of strange financial situation right now. Yes, we may not know exactly kind of the specifics of our own situation, but there are people out there who who literally have lost their jobs and don't know how their their family's going to make it. And yeah. so, if you have an if you are in a situation where you can maybe do a little extra when you see a, a person who might benefit from it, do it. Put a note on there that says, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for, for delivering today. Yeah. And even the drive through you know, now I know a lot of places are shut down, restaurants are shut down. So we have to either drive through or pick up or do things like that, but to pay for the person behind you. Yes. So yeah. many ways, so many ways just to, to, to not feed into the fear by withdrawing into a lack and me and mine and, you know, type mentality where we yeah. stop being an outreach and we just start looking inward. I mm -hmm. think that's the thing, you know, with, with Christianity and with what, looking at the life of Jesus, there's much outreach. You're trying to kind of reach out and help people to get to a place where they are seeing that there's a, a way of interaction that may not go along with what cultural it, the cultural society is doing as a whole. And it may look peculiar because you're giving stuff away while other people are losing their job. But I believe that's who we are. We are those peculiar people who are living on a different standard, who are aliens, as the word says, because we are not fitting into the norm. And the norm right now is of chaos and is of, of really just thinking about yourself only. Yep. And you know, those people that are around you that aren't believers that know you are, they're watching you. You bet they're watching and seeing how, okay, what are they going to do? 
are they going to act like they're everybody else and freak out or, you know, and that's just such an opportunity for us to shine. It really is. And I, and I always tell people this because, because then I, I sometimes will have believers who'll say, well, you know, I'm covered in the blood, so I don't have to do social distancing or, you know, I don't have to isolate. So, you know, God protects me. I'm, I'm now I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep down that one way or the other, but I believe that there's something called wisdom. Yep. And wisdom does not do things that, that don't make sense, even with what God is telling you to do. Um, when, you know, you're thinking about what is logical, some things aren't logical and some things just make good sense because right. if, if we're, if we're trying to protect other people, you know, we, we talk about in the word about we don't want our brothers to fall. Well, if me going out and exposing myself to something that could cause someone else to become critically ill and possibly even die, I can't see how that is, is being a good neighbor. Yeah. And we have to be mindful of that. It's not just about, you know, do you have the faith that will keep the virus off of you? Um, I think it's really looking at, do you have the wisdom to do those things that actually help the entire body? Mm. Amen. And that is something I, we have seen, you know, just over the last few weeks with our church where my husband's a pastor and, you know, just both ends of the spectrum of, you know, people really uh, strong opinions about, you know, canceling Awana where you've got a lot of volunteers who are older and in that um, group of more vulnerable um, you know, making decisions about whether we're going to have church or just do online or what we're going to do. Boy, there, we really got shamed by some people. Like we're not being spiritual enough if we're not just going to march in there and defy what the government's telling us. Yeah. And, and, you know, the word does say that we should submit ourselves to the, to the governmental authorities. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's the, the thing, you know, the thing that's always interesting about scripture, you can't kind of pick and choose what parts you want to agree with. We don't have to agree with everything Trump or any other president does. But when we get to a state of national emergency and they tell us, please limit your gatherings to no more than 10 people because we are in such a crisis that we're talking about, you know, pushing taxes back for months and, you know, giving people thousand um, dollar checks because our economy's kind of gotten in such a mess. When we get to that point, you have to realize that, that these decisions are not being made lightly. These are huge decisions that are being made. And we need to be able to work together to some degree so that the country as a whole doesn't get further into crisis. Hmm. Amen. Okay. Well, as we, as we kind of just wrap up this bonus content special um, podcast, and you know me, Romans eight twenty eight is the reason that I do this because you know God always is working everything, including this pandemic, for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. Just. Anything else you want to share with us that would help us to keep focused on his goodness and his sovereignty? 
Well, the thing that came to mind when, when I first, you know, started looking at really how this was escalating, I was doing some studying at the time in the book of Esther. And, you know, right now, or, you know, within the past couple of months was during the time of Purim or during the season when Esther's story is really told. And I love that part of the story where it's talked about, could it be that you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? And I think that's where many believers have to, to really think about. If we say God is sovereign and we truly believe that, we could have been born, you know, 50 years earlier or 50 years later. Mm. But this is the season that we're in. This is happening within our lifetime, which means that we have some, some portion to play within it. And so what I've challenged many believers is to, to really to think about when you're thinking about what needs to happen, what is something that you can do that may require you to have courage to do it, that may require you to step outside of what maybe your societal norms have been in the past? What is something that you feel like God is, is calling you to do in this moment that is going to help you to really get to that point where like Esther, you have to make a choice about who you are, who your identity is in Christ? And I think that's where we're at. I think many of us are having to take that journey. And that journey, just like with Esther, there was a time of purification, a time of being set apart, a time of coming away. And that's where we're right now at this point. There's, you know, many people are saying 14 days or two to three weeks. We don't know how long we're going to be called to do this. But see it as a time of coming apart, coming away with God, letting him help you see what your identity is in this season and the time that we're in and really what your next step will be in helping to expand his kingdom. Mm. Amen. We want to make the most of this opportunity. And I think you've given our listeners some real tangible ways to do that. So thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule, working all day today and hopping on here right after work. Thank you so much, Sandra. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today for this bonus segment of the All Things Podcast. But before I sign off, I want to take another moment to declare Psalm 91 over us all. Um, we did this uh, on the last broadcast. I want to do it a little bit differently today because it's so easy to get sucked into the hysteria. And I want to continue to provide tools for you that will help you remember God's promises. So I'm going to include a copy of Psalm 91 in first person in the show notes. I did this last time, but the last one, it was in first person declaring about God, talking about what God is going to do and what he says in this scripture. I've tweaked it so that today's version is the same Psalm in first person, but we're thanking God. We're talking to him instead of about him. So I would encourage you to print it out, pray it out loud, both morning and evening every day as we continue to navigate this pandemic in our nation. So here we go. Because we live in your shelter, Lord Most High, we find rest in your shadow, Almighty God. This we declare about you, Lord. You alone are our refuge 
our place of safety. You are our God and we trust you. For you will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. We thank you that you will cover us with your feathers. You will shelter us with your wings. I thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your faithful promises are our armor and protection. We will not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. We will not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at our side, though 10,000 are dying around us, these evils will not touch us. Because we make you, Lord, our refuge. Because we make you, the Lord Most High, our shelter. No evil will conquer us. No plague will come near our home. For you will order your angels to protect us wherever we go. They will hold us up with their hands so we won't even hurt our foot upon a stone. We will trample upon lions and cobras. We will crush fierce lions and serpents under our feet. So we thank you that, Lord, you say you will rescue us because we love you. You say you will protect us because we trust in your name. When we call on you, Lord, you will answer. You'll be with us in trouble. So we thank you that you say you will honor and rescue us, that you'll reward us with a long life and give us your salvation. Amen and amen. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.